0: Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Na maduhu, one a starinuhu, one a starfiruhu, one ukminubihi, one a tabakluale. One a udubilahi minshururi and fusina, women say ati amalina. Mayah dehilla who fellah mudillah. May you'd lil who fellah had the alah. When, when la ilaha illallah, when I anna Muhammadan Abu Dhu or فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليم كثيراً كثيراً أما بعد فنعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وقال الله تعالى في القرآن الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا صبروا وصابرو ورابطوا الله لعلكم تفلحون صلّى الله عليكم my beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah, we thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah, and thus we say, alhamdulillah. Na'hmaduhu, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate him. Wa we seek his help. Wa we seek his forgiveness. Wa nu'minu bihi wa We believe in him and we trust and rely upon him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And whomever Allah guides, none can misguide, and whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. We bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and many more, and many more. And as is the case every single week, my beloved brothers and sisters, I ask you the same question, and that is for you and I to take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves what is changing. What is changing in the world? What is changing in our society? What is changing in our relationships? And what is changing in our hearts? As we are beginning now to wind down this semester, finishing up the 11th week, we're getting closer and closer to December. We're getting closer and closer to finals. Before finals, we have Thanksgiving. And before that, some of you might still have some midterms, either to turn in or to grade. So ask yourself, what has changed within your heart, in terms of your active prayers, in terms of your charities, in terms of the amount of patience you have with with people. So I had a student who just visited me earlier today, who's a very, very gentle, gentle person, but he says that he cannot keep patience with people if they're walking slowly in front of him then he starts getting upset. If he starts getting into a conversation with his family about anything and it goes in the way he doesn't want it to, then he starts getting upset. We'll we'll do it at prayer time, inshallah. So the point being, ask yourself how much patience or impatience you have with your fellow brothers and sisters, especially with your family members. We have a teaching, this is attributed to Molana Rumi, where he says that you lose your temper with your family members, it sounds much better in the Farsi, but you lose much better, you lose mu- your temper with your family members because of how much love you have for them. And so look at the people with whom you have the most love and then ask yourself how much impatience you have with them. Usually we would think in theory it should be the other way around, that the more love you have for someone, the more, uh, the more patient you should be with them. But the way life plays out is that the more patience you have with someone, often it just means you care less about them. And then, once again, look at, your, look at what's happening in our society. We're at an interesting moment in American society, in particular, if you look at all the various accusations that have been coming forward against politicians and against celebrities of misconduct... Misconduct primarily to women, but in some cases primarily, uh, in some cases to men. That a lot of behaviors are coming out into the open, a lot of very serious misbehaviors. And a point to think about is this idea that we call rape culture. Now, what is rape culture? Rape culture is not that everyone is being prescribed to perform rape, but it is speaking of an environment in terms of the words that we use. In terms of the way we interact with each other that enforces a power dynamic in favor of men against women. When we use terms like boys will be boys what are we saying? We're saying that look at the way these guys misbehave and that's just how boys behave, that's how things are and that's how things will be. That is a contributor to what we call rape culture. Or If we are looking at the way someone has misbehaved and we blame it on their biology, that this person is doing such and such, they can't control themselves because of their biology, you're taking the blame away from the person, thus giving the person an excuse. It's just like if people say, the devil made me do it. It's the same problem. You're shifting the blame away from yourself. And so the question will be, is this just a moment in our society, or will institutional cultural changes happen? But the reason I'm raising it for you and I is that this is also an issue in our community. I mean, the gender roles that we have in our community, even on campus, are kind of laughable in the sense that Muslim men, Muslim women will not say salaam to each other, but Muslim women will say hi to non-Muslim men, Muslim men will have a big grin, and say hi to non-Muslim women. Okay, that is such a strange, strange contradiction. And what is the fear that we've been programmed? That all right, if a Muslim man and a Muslim woman are in an elevator together, suddenly shaitan is gonna take control of them and they will not be able to control themselves with each other. Okay, this is just absolutely, bizarrely absurd. But what is, else does that allow for? Then we also then have a hidden culture within our MSA of people off the radar doing all kinds of inappropriate behaviors. So what I'm saying is this attitude that we have, this sentiment that we have that we call rape culture leads into misogyny and power dynamics, but then it leads to hidden misbehaviors off the radar. So what am I saying? Consider the tongue that you use and the things that you say. Consider the things that you say about other men. Consider the things that you say about other women. Let us also be clear women also contribute to rape culture. This is not just something purely of men, meaning, these men are also raised by women. And so, what is the point, my beloved brothers and sisters? When we look at how the Prophet, may peace be upon him, spoke to men, to women, You and I know the answer, that it was one of dignity, it was one of gentleness with everyone. But what also is supposed to be in all of our cultures, especially the culture of our dean, is that you take control of your actions. You take control of your responsibility. But let's move it even further. What else is taking place in our world we have of course the ongoing situations of destruction. And why am I bringing this up? Also as a reminder that when we do not or do take control of our ownership, if we do take ownership of our responsibilities, we will see the results on the day of judgment. And if we don't take ownership of our responsibilities, we will see that as well. So what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? It's almost like I am begging for the last four years that I've been chaplain, almost every week at some point, I make this comment about taking control of your tongue. Because every week people are coming to me complaining about the gossip that is being spread about them. That this woman does this, this woman does that, this woman does such and such. The gossip is almost always aimed against women. And it is not just a statement of dishonor, it's shameful what our tongues can do. And so when I hear over and over again that people are displeased with the MSA, part of the reason is because of how much gossip is being spread, not even by the leadership, but by so many people in our environment. That's the easiest way to destroy a community, is you just spread gossip around. So let us take a moment and ask Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness, using that tongue to really re- make it clean. And we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet. Peace be upon him. There's another point to think about, my beloved brothers and sisters, because I don't want to keep harping on the use of the tongue, the use of the tongue, the use of the tongue. But I think we all appreciate how important it is and how powerful the tongue is. There's another misconception we have in our community. But to make the point, let me take a step back and talk about physical health. That it used to be in many of our back home communities that if someone, if you had a boy who had a runny nose and a very hot forehead and had no energy... The sentiment in that small family household was that he's been overtaken by the devil, that he's been possessed by the devil. Today we say that that little boy has a fever and that we give that child appropriate medicine. But we still tend to behave that way on matters related to mental health. And what I want each and every one of us to think about is that mental health is a real thing. Whether we're talking about therapy or counseling or psychiatry, there are all all kinds of issues in each of these. But I want you to consider this to be a very serious, real thing. Because what is the mistake a lot of people make? That if you are experiencing what we call depression, then the advice people who don't know what they're talking about will tell you is just pray and the problem will go away. If you're experiencing anxiety, and the advice that you get from people who have no idea what they're talking about is just pray and it'll all go away. To the point that people will say that if you have faith, then you will not have any problems with mental health. Those are the words of someone who does not know what they are talking about. Why? Because some of, phys- some of depression, some of anxiety, even some of self-doubt is the result of physiology. That depression may be a condition of the mind, but it may be a condition of the body. Likewise for anxiety. So if someone had a heart condition, if they had high cholesterol, you would not tell them, okay, pray and the problem will go away. That's a physiological problem. Likewise, if their depression is physiological it would be just as absurd to say to them, pray and the problem will go away. Yeah, every one of us needs to pray more, no matter how much you pray. Unless you're that person that the prophet, peace be upon, was correcting, because this one uh, a companion said that he's not gonna do anything else, just pray all night, not even sleep. And the prophet, peace be upon, I'm told that person, okay, your body has rights over you, your family has rights over you, so forth and so on. But what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? How seriously do you take your own mental health? because it is a real thing. And consider all that you and I as a community have gone through just in the past year. We've just passed the anniversary of the last presidential election. And when I talk to so many of us, there's definitely the sentiment, not only among Muslim undergrads, but even non-Muslim undergrads, that everyone is just absolutely exhausted. When you have a society that is at war even if you're not even connected to the war, you are carrying some of the burden because it's in the conversation and it's in the air. But not only are we a society that is at war, then on top of that, you and I know the hostilities, both verbal and physical, against us. And then on top of that, you know the threats of what else can be coming against us. Why wouldn't you be exhausted? And then on top of that, so many of us self-traumatize. You know, we have a concept of self-medicating. So many of us self-traumatize by going on Facebook and Snapchat on a daily basis, looking at image after image after image after image. That affects you. And then, of course, it's so interesting how many of my students, not mentioning anyone here, but how many of my students, every time they pose on Snapchat and Facebook, you think they're the happiest people in the world. But then they come to my office and it's a completely different story. So what else am I saying? That most of our social media presence is nothing but performance. So what is the overall point here, my beloved brothers and sisters? I'm asking you the simple question to ask yourself. Number one, how happy are you? Can you say of yourself that you're a happy person? Yes, you have stress because of midterms in school and worrying whether or not you're going to get into med school. Yes, you have concerns about what is going to take place in your personal future, that's all normal, but is your default happy? And chances are for most of us, the answer is not yes. All of us get upset. I enjoy getting upset, especially at my children, but the point is, And I say my default is happy. At least I can say my default is chill. And I think all of you would agree that I'm Mr. Cool. But I'm saying, my beloved brothers and sisters, this is also something that you control. In the same way that we've mentioned many times that Allah Ta'ala is to you what you think of him, so too is a portion of your mental condition. Again, I'm saying depression is real, anxiety is real, some of these other problems are very real that might inhibit your happiness, that might prevent your happiness. But if those can be resolved through medication, through therapy, etc., can you say your default is one that is happy? And if it's not, what will it take? I always find it over the course of the years when I meet people who've been praying nonstop or praying all their regular prayers at the mosque on a regular daily basis for years and years and years, And they're still grouchy people. And then you have to wonder what is the benefit of the prayer if it's still leaving you miserable. So when you are making your prayers, make it something you enjoy. It's very easy for us to look at our prayers as a burden, but try to make it something that you enjoy. Enjoy the prostration with your face on the ground and go into full relaxation. And when you are in ruku, when you're bowing, enjoy that position. It's a very vulnerable position. And it's so fascinating that in this most vulnerable of positions, what do we say? Subhana Rabbi Al-Azeem. Glory to my Lord who is so great, so powerful, so full of awe. And we are in such a vulnerable position. But even when you say your first Allahu Akbar and you're standing, Try to enjoy the tranquility. You and I know the narration. We've heard it many times that the prophet, peace be upon him, asked, what would you say about, about, about a person who takes a bath five times a day in this river? We'd say that they have no dirt on them. And the prophet, may peace be upon him, has said, that is the effect of prayers on your sins, that if you make your prayers five times a day, you will have no sins upon you. You will have no marks of sins upon you. And what I'm asking you to also consider is that if you can make your prayers on a regular basis, With enjoyment, with appreciation of the serenity, of the tranquility, of the relaxation, this will also mitigate some of the feelings that we have. So I'm not telling you that depression is going to be cured by prayer. I'm not telling you anxiety is going to be cured by prayer, if they're physiological. But if they're a condition of the heart, then yes, they will be. And then it'll become easier to diagnose something as physical. So with that, I remind you of the prophet, may peace be upon him, whom every time you'd see him, he'd be smiling. Although when he was with his wives, they would say that he was often full of grief, worrying about everyone around us. And still, his smiles were always genuine. They were not performance. In the law of Malay, I saluna, I land Nabi, ya you Amanu, salu alayhi was salim with the slima. Allahumma salia Muhammad, while Ali he was happy he were baraka salim. Allahumma salia la Muhammad, while Ali he was happy he were baraka salim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barikus salim. O Allah, we call upon you with all of your names to shower your blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon his family and upon his companions and and extend the blessings and peace upon them all. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina an-nar Our Lord, our Cherisher, our Sustainer, grant us the best of this life. And the best of the hereafter and protect us from the fire. SubhanAllah, Rabbika Rabbilay Satiyyah, my Yasifoon. Wassalamun ala al Friday, November 10th, 2017, 1 p.m. If I can ask some people to set up the, the, the rugs.